Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Friends, hello, welcome. So today I want to talk to you about making support decisions. When you have a neurodivergent child, teen, or young adult, it can be challenging to figure out what supports are even available, let alone figuring out which ones would actually be helpful or needed. And there's a lot of opinions out there, a lot of different conflicting ideas about things or how they should how it should be done. So whether you are completely new to this with a fresh neurodivergent diagnosis for your kiddo, or you've been at this for a while, I have some perspectives to offer you on this episode to help you approach these decisions with more confidence. Because I know it can be overwhelming to either know where to even start or what to do when you hit a point where you or you know your child, teen or young adult is struggling. So one of the questions to really ask yourself when you're considering different options, when you're researching or weighing the pros and cons of something, is to ask yourself, will this better support their next step in development? So we can't run before we can stand on our two feet. You can't do algebra before you have learned how to add or subtract. And development involves global skills and brain development that builds on previous skills and learning. And so when you're looking at this approach or the support or this accommodation or this intervention that you know that you think might be helpful, I like to look at things through that developmental lens. Is this going to support development? What is the next step in development that they're needing? And how can I support that? I don't like looking at it from a behavioral compliance lens. And while behavioral compliance sometimes is nice and necessary, it's not to be confused with development. Behavioral compliance is externally imposed through rewards and punishments or fear around non-compliance. But development is internally developed. It's based on readiness, relevance, capability, and emotional capacity. And when you have development, it's a skill set you've like developed to the next sort of evolution of yourself. And it can be applied more globally where when there's a focus on just behavioral compliance, that's often more of a temporary thing. Like it's because of what's being imposed externally on someone that they are being behaviorally compliant. And it can often create a situation of masking where someone complies, but they actually haven't developed into the kind of person that can actually sustain that behavior without external pressures. So when you're considering support accommodations and, appro- and approaches, it's important to keep in mind what development is and how to support that. 
And development happens when we're out of our comfort zone, but not overwhelmed. Too little support and someone will be overwhelmed. They'll be very stressed, um, completely in over their head on things. And too much support on the other end of the extreme, and they will be too comfortable. And that can create all kinds of problems. So they aren't developing, they aren't being challenged. It can lead to anxiety, depression, isolating, that sort of thing. And a lot of times if someone's too comfortable or if they've been too accommodated when other people are doing too much for them that they could actually do for themselves with the right like teaching and, and support and mentoring, if they're given too much, a lot of times as they get older, they're going to become very resentful or they will just be someone that has um, learned how to be helpless. They've just learned how to be helpless instead of learning to do for themselves. So how do you know if it will be or it currently is too much or too little support? And there's a few things that can give you really good clues on that. Are they developing? Are they making progress? Or are they stuck or regressing? So you kind of look at where they're at. Are they making forward progress? That's a good indicator if there's the right amount of support happening. If they're stuck and regressing, then we're looking at is there too much or too little support happening? Another thing you can look at is to ask yourself are they stressed or do they have an overall sense of well being? If they're stressed, that's a really good indicator either not enough support or too much support. And so you're going to be looking at their state, like overall, are they angry, frustrated, volatile, kind of on edge? That's going to be an indicator that the, the level of support isn't appropriate. Um, if they are depressed, isolating, avoiding, those sorts of behaviors, that's another big clue that they might not be getting enough support or they're getting too much support. Some other indicators to be aware of are, are they sick a lot or are they on the whole pretty healthy? Um, sickness can be a pretty good indicator that someone's stressed or not doing real well. Not always, but that can be an indicator. Um, changes in behavior, positive or negative, can be an indicator of where they're at. Are they manic? Meaning, are they really like um, talking fast and kind of high energy and kind of all over the place? That's a good indicator that someone's stressed. Or are they really depressed? So the other end of that would also be an indicator of someone that's um, stressed or not getting the right amount of support. Another one would be, are they isolating or are they super clingy more than usual? So that's going to be another indicator. When one of my kids is stressed, like they'll, they'll often kind of come and cling and want to be with me. And that lets me know they're needing some comfort. They're needing some nurturing. They're needing some kind of intervention. The other thing that's a huge indicator on whether your child, teen, or young adult um, is either getting too much support from you or not enough is how are you feeling overall? So are you stressed? Are you overwhelmed? Or are you at peace and feeling confident and good with things? Is the level of support and accommodations that you provide or facilitate working for you or against you? 
I encourage you to check in with yourself because if you are the parent, you are the most important mentor in your child, teen, or young adult's life. You're theirs for the long haul. So for you to sustainably take care of your kiddos, you will want to take care of yourself first. And if you're a professional and you want to take care of your clients and you want to take care of what their needs are, you'll want to take care of you and be mindful of your own stress levels and the parents' stress levels. These are big indicators of where people are at. So too much or too little are both at the opposite extremes of a very large middle zone to experiment in. To be able to learn and figure out what's helpful enough or not enough, and you do that through trial and error. Keeping in mind that development is a moving target. It's continually changing. You kind of get it all down and figured out, and then your kiddo takes a big developmental leap, and now it's all new, a whole new ball game, and they're needing different things. And what the, what supports were necessary before may not be necessary now, and you're going to adjust, or they may need new a new level of supports depending on where they're at. So flexibility, creativity, agility, responsiveness. These traits are your best friends when you're looking at how much support to give or not give your neurodivergent kiddo. Now, is the support and and accommodations and approach that you're looking at or considering, is it conducive to connection and collaboration, or is it going to hinder that? So anytime something that is that you're doing or or considering anytime it's damaging to your relationship i would seriously reconsider it i can't emphasize enough how important your relationship is in the long run something might seem very very important right now and you have to very carefully consider is this going to damage my relationship long term or is you know is this something that the relationship can handle, that it can take a hit on and we'll, we'll be able to overcome. So I really look at things through that lens of, is this worth it? Is this going to help build connection and, and strengthen my relationship? Or is it going to actually damage it? And if an approach is all you or all them or all on someone else, you may want to reconsider that also because Anytime you can find ways to engage in collaboration that works for both of you, for you and your kiddo or whoever you're mentoring, so there's so much opportunity for development through just a collaborative process. So when you look at that and we we do a collaboration, when we can do it together or have some kind of back and forth input into what we're doing you're teaching problem solving, you're teaching give and take, and you're actually in that process reinforcing your relationship and strengthening it. So I really like to look at any kinds of decisions I'm making through that lens of, is this going to be supportive for strengthening connection and strengthening collaboration, or will it hinder that and get in the way? And then finally, This episode is about making decisions. So 
I really encourage you to give yourself the gift of making a decision and then testing it out. It's really easy to fall into that trap of just spinning over and over and over in overwhelm and getting decision fatigue. So, I mean, truly, you can make most decisions in less than half an hour. Okay. So, you know, do some basic research or discussion with a friend or partner or a professional, and then just make a decision. Give yourself that gift. There's no right decision. You are the one that makes a decision. And then you are the one that's going to make it right or wrong. And you can always change your mind. You can try something and, and go, oh, you know, we've given this a good shot. We've, we've, we've tried it and really stuck with it. And, you know, it's just not working out like I thought. So let's change it. Like, okay, now we learned that this isn't helpful and we're going to try something different. And when you're making these decisions, I, th I think the most important thing is to to make sure you like your reasons. So I want to offer you a couple things, you know, a few things here to consider about liking your reasons. Okay. So reasons that I like when I'm making support decisions are, is, is this supportive of development? Yes, I'm going to probably be on board. Um, and in that, the question of, is this the next thing for where they're at? So I don't want to jump too far ahead. Um, I want to be able to kind of, where are they at? And then what's kind of that next baby step of development and support that they're needing to keep going? Is this support helpful in connection and collaboration? Um, is this workable for me and for them? Like, is this doable? Can we make this happen? And then a really important piece of reasons that I like are considering that will this be challenging or even uncomfortable but not overwhelming choosing making a decision based on comfort is not always the wisest choice so a lot of the things that are going to support development might be very uncomfortable um, our kiddo may not like it very much like it may be a little bit stressful in the beginning so the question is Am I not doing something because it's uncomfortable? That's probably not a good reason to not do it, right? So I want to be looking at, is this challenging but not overwhelming? Okay, can we handle this? Is this doable? Is this going to support development? Okay, is this going to stretch but not snap us? And so you're really looking at, like, do the pros outweigh the cons? So there's there's positives and negatives to anything you're you're deciding to do. Do the pros outweigh the cons? And then you just kind of do that gut check, that intuition. What is your intuition telling you? Okay. How does your decision feel? You, you weigh the pros and cons, you look at it, and then you take and you just decide, like, how does this decision I'm making feel? Does it feel good? Does it feel maybe a little scary, but like, no, this is going to be a good thing. And there's like a piece to it. That is going to be a really good indicator that this is going to be a, a decision that you're happy with. The reason, reasons that I don't like when you're going into to making that decision are anytime we're coming from a place of fear. Like, what if they, oh no, like scary, danger, I'm making this support decision because I'm afraid. I don't like that as a reason to make a, a decision around supporting someone. 
Um, I, I don't like it if we're afraid of discomfort, if we're afraid to lean into some discomfort um, and so we avoid something or we don't do it. I, I don't like that reason for not doing it. And I, I don't love the reason of other people said we should. I don't like delegating um, my decision making, my own authority to other people. I, I like to take in advice from others and I like to hear other perspectives. I think that's really useful. But ultimately, when I make a decision, I want to make it because this feels good to me, not because someone said I should do it. I don't love imperatives where I feel like I have to do the thing or I ought to do it or I must do it. I don't like that feeling. Anytime we feel like we have to out of obligation, I don't think it works out real well. I think we end up undermining the, the results of something. And I don't love the reason of if needing an accommodation means something negative, if I'm afraid of what it might mean for my kiddo or for me. I don't love that reason. Like if, a com if an accommodation is helpful, if a, a certain level of support is really helpful towards their development, then let's go for it. I don't care what other people think. I'm going to do the thing that my kiddo needs. And I, I don't like it when we, we make decisions because we feel like we have to control everything because we're afraid that if we don't control it, it's going to go bad. So it's that gut check of like, how does your decision feel? If your decision feels like you're making it from fear or guilt or obligation or out of a place of like needing to control everything and micromanage, that's not, those aren't great reasons and they're not going to serve you well going into it. So I just want to really offer to you too, when you're looking at making decisions to, to start from a place of trusting that you can make great decisions. You really can. You can find solutions. And whatever you decide, you can figure it out and make it good. Okay, either it works out and you and you make it work and it, it's a good thing and you like how it, it went, or you learn, hey, we really gave this a, a, a shot and we're going into it and we realize this isn't as helpful as we thought or, or we need to make adjustments. And now you've just learned what doesn't work. That can be just as valuable as learning what does work. There's been pivotal moments um, in our program at Techie for Life, where we tried or we experimented with something, people were really passionate about approaching things a certain way. And Jason gave people the freedom to do that in our program. And then when it didn't work, it was the best teacher. It was the best way for them to realize, oh, this really doesn't work. I thought for sure it would. This is why you were saying it doesn't work. Now I finally get it. When someone actually experiences it for themselves, they finally get it. So sometimes when it doesn't work out, that can be the best teacher. So don't be afraid of fails. Don't go into any support decision thinking if it doesn't work out, that's bad and terrible and we're all going to die. Or I'm a bad parent because it didn't work out. No, not at all. In fact, truly the opposite. Like sometimes just letting our kids struggle or, or have a fail can be the best teacher. And sometimes we have to try things and, and go a certain direction and realize, oh, you know, that's not quite where I wanted to take things. And then you, you course correct. So when it comes to making support decisions, you're going to find that you do really well if, number one, you keep in mind 
and 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 continually check in. Like I'm always looking at: is it time to back off how much support, or is it time to like, oh, we need to put in more support? Like, just take a look: is it too much or too little? And know there's a great big middle area to experiment in. You know, I just want to stay out of the extremes of too much or too little. That's going to serve us better, right? And is the support conducive to connection and collaboration? Is it building my relationship? Is it keeping me connected and offering the the learning that comes from collaboration? And then really just taking a look at, do I like my reasons for why I go into this decision of how much support or how little support? And I I think you'll, you'll find as you try this out that you'll actually feel a lot more confident going into decisions, being able to make adjustments, being able to course correct, which is just part of development. It's part of the process, which means you're doing it right. And give yourself a little grace to just trust that you can figure this out. If you think you can't, you just block your brain from figuring out answers. But when you know that you can figure it out, it might take a little time, but you're going to figure it out. Your brain opens up to solutions. You'll actually be amazed at what out-of-the-box solutions come to you. I'm, I'm sometimes so amazed with what my brain comes up with when I, when I give it that opportunity and that sort of confidence and trust to, to say, hey, I think we can figure this out. There's got to be a way. It's challenging sometimes to know what to do and what is actually helpful. And just the fact that you're here and participating in this podcast and looking at it says a lot. Like you are a great support. You really are. Just you alone is a support. And where we take that support is just a journey. And I hope this is help you find this helpful and just have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. dot